I'm Asam. It's Friday, and this is the Friday Show. Hasn't taken long for a big game to come round, and joining me to look forward to a visit from Spurs, I've got Howard and the Athletics, Sam Lee. Morning, Sam. Morning. How are you, mate? Yeah, good, thank you. All good. Excellent. Just discussing a few old, old Time City players off air there. I'm sure that'll creep through <laughs> over the next hour. Oh, definitely will. Definitely will. Dreams of Michael Johnson playing for England. Um, morning, Howard. How are you? Well, yeah, I'm fine, thanks. Yourself? Excellent. Yeah, I'm really good, mate. Yeah, really good. good. Um, so look, I'm going to uh, I'm going to dive straight in with today's opening question, which is all about City's fine from FIFA as opposed to a transfer ban. Now, obviously, this has gotten a lot of attention. Sam, I'm going to start with you. Um, you tweeted your. I think your tweet was City have been. Avoid the transfer ban, I think. Yeah, that's that was dot, 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 unexpected. Yeah. Um, so let's start with you. Um, thoughts on the punishment? Does it make sense in hindsight? What does that tell us, maybe, if anything, about some of the media coverage of these investigations into City? Um, well, I'm not. I'm not so sure. It's. I mean, there's obviously part part of it is because you know it came out in the media via the football leagues thing that you know a ban had been recommended. But I think it also just goes to show that people are just drawing comparisons, not just with Chelsea, which is obviously this year, but with the Spanish clubs who have who've had it in the past. And it's it's generally it's quite it's kind of like you know when the FA would always charge somebody with misconduct it never meant they were going to get away with it there'd be a hearing but the FA had basically decided there was something wrong and they were going to decide the, the punishment obviously that's similar with with FIFA and they have handed out a punishment to City but everyone's kind of thought using that kind of football logic I suppose football disciplinary logic that if you do this stuff you get a transfer ban you know that's I don't think I mean there might be but I don't think there's a precedent for being found guilty and not getting a transfer ban. Obviously, we'll get into the shades of grey, but just you know, at the at the top level, picking picking off the top, it is very much. Oh, if you if you do this, then you get a transfer ban. So I think that's why a lot of people expected it. Hmm. Howard, um, did you were you surprised? Well, you, when the press, you know, on different papers, and sometimes one. Paper reports it and others follow, really, with the same news. Say that they're going to get a ban. You, even, you know, even considering the amount of rubbish we read in newspapers, which are mostly transfer stuff, you think that, well, they've got a good source and that's what will happen. I think it's none of us really know what's the right punishment for this. We don't know. It's subjective. Uh, and the scope is obviously different to all the other teams. So it's, you know, I think it... The water's been muddied, obviously, by the Chelsea that's band that's preceded it. Uh, but that was with a, l- a lot more players, and every single case is completely different. Of course, the you know papers have led with the city can suggest their own punishment, but that is the rule. It's not city on waiting and going. We'll decide what will happen, which is how a lot of people would like to paint it. I don't. I'm not sure that just two players. In, I mean, yeah. As I say, it's subjective. How do you decide what a punishment is for something like this? Two players in from Ghana going to Denmark and playing two young in the, you know, when they shouldn't have been playing before 18. What's the punishment for that? This sounds about right. 
for other stuff and either cases might have been much more wide scale and they might not have cooperated. So everything's unique in a way. I just it's just timing trying to discuss it in a way, you know, outside the city bubble because or even within it, because how do you you know, how do you define whether this is fair or not? I just mm. it, there's not in it in isolation I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Maybe Chelsea fans who know more about their own case uh, will say it's not fair and they will probably they're appealing at the moment it's gone to appeal and they'll no doubt use this punishment as part of their defence so but just because if they've been hard done to it don't mean we have to be hard done by as well uh, it just seems for two players a discretion we've admitted it we've cooperated to me you know I'm not have not got blinkers on it it does seem quite a fair punishment for me uh, okay. as for the others I don't know enough about them but I know Obviously, Chelsea have read 29 discretions and we're two, or you know, charged with eight, two found. Well, obviously, that's a lot different. They've had a transfer ban before, though it was about 10 years ago. Uh, so I don't know if that came into consideration. And I don't know if they, obviously, like, like English law, if you don't plead guilty, you get a bigger punishment. Mm. But I've heard, uh, was it Martin, was it Ziegler or something, say they didn't get the chance to plead guilty so yeah it's a lot of grey areas I don't know enough about it but for me the city punishment does seem fair enough it wasn't wide scale and it wasn't over a series of years unlike a lot of the other punishments Mm. Um, Sam do you think that this has been appropriately handled or do you think that FIFA maybe should have been more explicit in their explanations since there was such a big distinction between the Chelsea punishment and the City punishment. Because it does feel a little bit like with a lot of these governing bodies that the rationale behind decisions can feel a little bit opaque at times. And I'm trying to put myself into the shoes of a Chelsea supporter looking at this and going, you know, even if City only had five breaches and and Chelsea had... 35 they could argue well you've still you know you've still the rules have still been broken um so is is the onus on fifa to really explain their rationale in situations like this well i suppose as much transparency as possible is is best uh, in a, in any kind of cases because then also it kind of sets a precedent for for further cases i know when i was looking into more ffp stuff with the with like EU courts or whatever, there's generally a quite detailed breakdown of of why. I mean, I'm not sure if that will come at a later date or not, but you would you would have thought you know all those reasons would be ready to go um, at the time of announcing the punishment. Um, from FIFA's point of view, I can see why they've just thought, well, you know, we've we've considered all the evidence and here you go. But I mean, I mean, maybe it is nobody's business to to find out the exact ins and outs of it, but. I mean, it would be nice from our point of view, you know, from the point of view of wanting information. So also just to partly avoid all this kind of, oh, well, Chelsea got a ban, why didn't City? You, you'd mm. be able to go, well, here's a link, have a look for yourself. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. Kind of stop all the different little briefings or whatever. But you know, some of the other reasons that I've heard was because obviously I think the rules got clarified at the end of 2016. So they were a bit wishy-washy yeah. before that. Um and since they've been clarified, City haven't been found guilty of any breaches. Um, when the rules were maybe open to interpretation, I think FIFA decided that even the breaches that City were found guilty of, 
I think what the wording I was given was they were in the spirit of the old rules. So it wasn't like City were massively taking the piss. Mm. It was it was kind of like, oh, okay, but you can see why we foul, foul of that kind of thing. Mm. Um, and apparently there were breaches in relation to, yeah, playing in like friendly games or ha- going on trial or whatever rather than signing them and, you know, having them on the books. So, I mean, look, this is this is what I've been told, but it tallies with... It tallies with the finding, and the finding is it's not as serious as the other clubs, and that's what I've been told. So that's the the reasons why it's not so serious. Okay. Um, final point on this: uh, I'm kind of interested in both your takes because I imagine they will be slightly different. Um, I, I tweeted yesterday. I feel if you go back and look at the coverage in March, April of this FIFA investigation and some of the stuff that was written around it, it was really strong and it was really strong in terms of, you know, there were at least two newspapers that basically said it is almost certain that City are going to receive the same punishment as Chelsea. Um, I felt that that, I feel that that fed into uh, a kind of negative reporting around City in the run-in last season that felt a little bit unfair and it felt a little bit like, you know, it di- it, it didn't feel, uh, it felt opportunistic on, on the part of the newspapers rather than a real story. And I feel as though that's proven to be the case with the decision. Um, Howard, I'll start with you. Do, do you think that, can you understand why I kind of feel a bit the way that I feel about the coverage? Or do you think that it's a little bit unfair that the reality is that football journalists have sources and sources tell them things and they write stories based on those sources. And if we can't criticize Sam for being wrong about a transfer story, why can we, why is it okay to criticize a different journalist about being wrong about a different story that also basically requires him to have faith in his sources? Does that make sense? Yeah, but I think you've already said that the sources, you know, you made a few calls and found out the sources were terrible and it's as if they they wanted it to be true in a way. I think the key for me is this. If something had happened in March that the, the source had gone to them, you know, they'd got information, then fair enough. Obviously, you're a journalist, you act on that, you'll do the story. But if in March a football journalist decides he's going to create a story that, you know, if this case had not really developed, it was still under arbitration or whatever, and there'd be no new developments, then why suddenly do a story in March? Then you think, well, this is bizarrely timed. And we, we all know articles are timed, and I don't really get that angry about that. That's how it works, of course. Certain articles have more impact at certain times. So I don't really have a big problem with football journalists timing stuff. It is annoying. Uh, I just It depends what, you know, these things came out. I say one journalist only has to do the story and others will just copy and paste it really well sometimes you know or just look into it themselves and and it generates its own momentum so the key for me is did they just decide to do this story when there'd been no new developments in which case yeah city are going for you know quadruple that's never been done before and it's quite clearly time to you know if they do then go on and win a number of trophies, it feels like it's undermined or it's been cheated. They've cheated their way to it in a way. And it just, 
it just snowballs the feeling within rival fans that you know these these achievements weren't really earned fairly. So I do think timing is everything, and it has helped with a you know it. Obviously, I'm going to sound like the typical paranoid bitter bird here. It just it just feeds into the feeling with other fans that should be an asterisk next to every achievement at City, you know, every trophy they win. Mm. Sam, did Howard sound like a bitter Bertie then? Yeah. No, no, no. no. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's always... I, I do always feel there is a bit of a misunderstanding of how the media works, but at the same time, I, I mean generally, but at the same time, I can completely agree why... Well, sorry, I can completely understand why people think, you know, this is just targeted and... Like all the like a lot of the response after the the treble was sealed after you know after the the title was won at Brighton it was all it was all negative wasn't it like well not all all of it but a lot of it was and I can see why people felt hang on this isn't this isn't right um, but like I say there's a bit of a misunderstanding and I I do think some of the things are worth mentioning but if you uncovering but if you're going to cover them do it properly and it brings us back to the transfer ban thing, and you're right, these things can take on a bit of a a life of their own. Um, the initial report was in the Danish newspaper that was working with football leaks. Um, I mean, may, maybe they were right. Maybe FIFA did say we want to give them, you know, the, maybe the, the body who recommends the punishments did say we want to give them a two-year ban, and maybe the body that gives out the punishments went, what are you talking about? This is nothing. Maybe it was wrong. Um and like honestly wrong, in like an honest mistake. Maybe it was maliciously wrong. Maybe, you know, maybe you're right. Maybe there is some attempt to to leak certain things to make them look bad. And I mean, who knows? Who knows what those what those reasons were for that being wrong? The city getting a transfer ban. But you're right. It does. These things do snowball. These things do lead to a certain narrative being formed. And yeah, at the end of last season, if there was talk about the achievements or Abu Dhabi or whatever, there's also the thing you could throw in of they're facing a transfer ban as well, which like Asan says, it makes people think, yeah, it goes back to talk of asterisks and this sort of thing is if, you know, this is a club that's breaking rules across the board. And I must admit, I always thought, well, you know, there might well come a time where I have to be much more critical and look at them in a different way. You know, I always I've always appreciated, and the points I've made, you know, around certainly the FA Cup final was you can you can say what you want about the other side of it, of the business or the club, but you can't take away the achievements, you know, the coaching and that kind of thing. But I did always think, you know, if it's if it's proven that City get a ban from the Champions League for the FFP, if they get a a transfer ban for registering players, if they get a ban from the FA um, for registering young players in the in the UK. Then it's like, well, this is a club that is breaking laws at every level. But now, with without the FIFA one, you know that's obviously not the case. That's obviously, if there is any rule breaking going on regarding FFP, then that'll either, you know, that'll either be isolated to that for whatever different reasons, and it's not indicative of a club that just does whatever they want. So, I think this ruling does does change that view a bit and does change my own view not that I ever kind of let it seep into my reporting but I did always think oh well, maybe in future we're going to have to have a proper look at this and and properly and properly investigate why City are breaking rules left right and centre but with this you know they're not I, I, I completely understand the the ruling and the findings and the reasons for this you know just just a fine rather than a ban mm, cool I, 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 I'm, I was going to ask you whether it had changed your view 
somehow because I know that we we had some conversations around that time and I I think it's fair for me to say that you felt that there couldn't really be smoke without fire and that you know I think you said to me once you know you should probably be prepared for across all of these investigations for there to be some punishments meted out to city that you know maybe won't sit well um and I really did expect and again I think this shows the this shows for me anyway the issues with the reporting we're all human and whether we whether you know whether we like it or not when you read across five six seven different places Manchester City are going to receive a transfer ban you can't help but feel the thing on some level it might happen and that does cloud the way you look at what you're doing in that moment and also the future we had a number of conversations about whether city were being naive in their transfer business this summer because there was a transfer ban coming and we did almost we didn't talk about it as a total inevitability but there was a certain level of you know this thing's really could happen um and i guess i just think that's a shame and i think that even for me now I know that I already look at the FFP thing, the UEFA thing, the Premier League thing completely differently, having had this verdict come down, not because I think that, oh yeah, we're going to get off with everything. Just the idea that, you know, it is an absolute fact that the way that these things are reported in the media is a little bit different to what's going on behind the scenes. And no matter how credible somebody's sources and no matter how sure they are in their own writing that something is going to happen this has just proven that it could well be that when it comes to the crunch that thing doesn't happen so it's better to just wait for the punishment to be meted out last point that's kind of how i have always felt about this which is why the noise bothers me a little bit an investigation is an investigation but until you're proven guilty and you're punished there shouldn't really be any conversation and yet we've had a relentless I would say 12 month period of, of our, I would say there's not a month gone by since football leagues dropped that somebody hasn't written a story about city, the investigations into city. I just think that if the time and the place to write about those things is when we're found guilty, if city are found yeah, which guilty. Is my approach, isn't it? Sorry? Uh, which has been my approach. I just yeah. feel it good to point out at that point. <laughs> Absolutely. No, no, it has been your approach and it's been the approach of a lot of journalists. And I don't think, you know, I've seen, I've had conversations, email conversations, long ones with journalists who are pretty unpopular among the city supporter base. And, you know, they will say things like, it's my job as journalists to report on these things. And I just feel that's massively disingenuous because you're not reporting on anything right now because there's nothing to report on. The UEFA investigation, by its very nature, is meant to be completely secret. The FIFA investigation, by its very nature, is meant to be completely secret. So when you're when you're writing articles saying City allegedly lied in their FFP, um, whatever it was, the accounts that they they gave that they gave up, and there could be a two year transfer ban, and there could be this, and there could, it's just like. Just stop and wait and let the thing happen and, you know, let the club do what it's doing on the pitch right now and wait for those rulings to come down before you write those stories. Because otherwise, it does feel like you've got an agenda to wash over the footballing achievements by writing about the negative. Anyway, I think I've said my piece there. Howard, do you want to say anything else before I move on? 
Now, I think the key point here is that I still can't pronounce the word, the word asterisk <laughs> at normal speed, so I'll try not to say it ever again. Excellent. <laughs> this is the asterisk. second time I've messed it up, so... No problem. I'm just thinking of asterisks. That's what I want to say every time. <laughs> Excellent. Okay, um, so City played West Ham last weekend at, at West Ham and won 5-0. Uh, Sam... Does this show the uncompetitiveness of the Premier League and <laughs> the inevitability of Manchester City's march to the 1920 title? Um, no. Um, oh, I mean, in a way, well, I mean, you, you know, you've, you've framed that question in a certain way, haven't you? But um, it shows how good City are. They weren't good first half, which I tweeted at half time, you know, they weren't good, but because first games are fine. Um, but then just the way they clicked. But the difference is, uh, and this kind of goes back to the the previous debate we were having and, you know, the fallout to the treble win and, you know, oh, it's it's inevitable and, you know, if you've got this much money and the best coach and it's going to happen, it's like, well, you know, spending money isn't inevitable. Fine, if you get the right infrastructure in place, then that helps it. But that's an achievement too. You know, that is that is an achievement in a business sense. The achievement on the pitch is a sporting achievement. You know, you can't you can't just rely on money to get you over the line. Um, and the reason why they can click and the reason why they do look ready season after season. You know, I remember the start of last season. It was like, oh look, this this team is still good. It's not a surprise because previously you'd kind of break up seasons, especially with City. You know, you didn't know from one season to the next are they going to win the league? Are they going to you know fail to defend it? And that was how it went. And you never knew what you were going to get from one season to the next. But City are so good. The players know what they need to do. They're so, you know, Guardiola's coached a flexibility into them whereby he can he can ask them to do slightly different things on a match day. So the tactics can change either slightly or, as we saw 12 months ago, you know, a lot at the start of the season. But the players still, you know, they're still programmed to do that. There's There's nothing new they're being asked to do. There's nothing radically different. So there's not going to be or there shouldn't be, a massive drop-off in performance. And especially after last season, we established that, you know, they weren't going to get complacent. They were still hungry to win. They were still going to be relentless. It's all part of the same thing. Guardiola's relentlessness has filtered down. The players are hungry in their own right. They've got the best game plan in the world. They've got so many answers on the pitch. They're so much better prepared to play football than every other team in the league. Even Liverpool, not as much ahead of Liverpool because Liverpool are really good. But they're, like when they play a team like West Ham, what, what are West Ham going to do? And we've seen this now over two seasons, 198 points in two seasons. Teams that don't have an answer in like 95%, 99% of games. City are just are just too good. So yeah, in a way, well, the West Ham game shows that. But is it like some inevitability that they're going to march to the title? Maybe it is. But, you know, I think, like I said, I think your question was framed in a certain way that that's a bad thing. But it's easily a good thing. Or, could, or can okay. be a good thing. Uh, hey, Sam, can I ask you a question then? Of course you can. Uh, despite our brilliance last season, there was maybe it was the timing over you know December a home defeat to Crystal Palace, an away defeat to Leicester, which isn't quite the the bigger shock as losing home to Crystal Palace. Do you get the feeling? I know it's too early that we've moved on another level. That even say a shock defeat at home to Crystal Palace is now a thing of the past, or can those results always happen still? I think those results can definitely always still happen, and I think that you know. I think the the Premier League's a 
but it's a weird place in a way because I think that the results are on a knife edge until they're no longer on a knife edge. And I think that what Guardiola said after the West Ham game was absolutely true. At 2-0, Edison makes two saves that if he doesn't make and the game goes to 2-1, Sam could argue, yeah, but City is still going to go and score another three, four goals. But you just don't know mentally how... That's the thing that, that that's the thing with football is that everything can be prepared and you can have the best players and be tactically ready and all the rest of it. But something happens on the pitch and mentally something shifts for the team as a whole and suddenly you're under the cosh. And I think that there was a bad mental reaction to the goal being ruled out by VAR, wasn't it? About 10, 15 minutes, City just yeah. couldn't get hold of it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, you know, that's part of what Palace was, what Newcastle was. You know, those games were were built out of mentally not being able to recover from a setback or mentally not being able to, you know, go up to another level when it's being required of you because the opposition are being obdurate. Um, So, no, I don't think it's it's an an inevitability. I mean, the, the conversation about how many points City will get is a different conversation. I do think we'll get 90 plus points again, but I do think that those moments will happen again. I think it'd be naive to go, nah, we're not going to lose games that we're not meant to lose. I think that will happen. I also think that, you know, the top six will be better in terms of challenging each other for points this season. So, Yeah. That's my uh, yeah. that's my and, my answer. And um, back that up, you know, Palace, Leicester, and Newcastle, we were in the lead in all three of those games. Yes, so we'll still have the mental tests this season to see exactly. if we've moved up another level. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, all right, Howard, uh, for you, what impressed you the most about the West Ham win? Uh, before we push forward and look at the weekend, uh, <laughs> picking one thing is just with. I think they were relentless. I think the ease that they scored the goals. You say, I've no problem first game of the season that it took about 30 minutes, I reckon, for them to start getting into a rhythm. Uh, absolutely fine with that. Uh, that's to be expected with even the best teams. I just felt the relentlessness that they could create, score goals, just felt almost effortless in the second half. And I know this is West Ham, who are a good side, but our record is so good against them. That this is not the first time we've gone and scored five there, or four there, or four another time. So, you know, we can't make sweeping conclusions, especially since the first game of the season. But you felt that they scored five without really getting into top gear. And I think, you know, I wonder just how many games this season against teams that lie from, you know, ninth to 20th in the table in the second half where we overwhelm sides like that. And maybe we'll do it away from home as much as at home. Because, mm. because away from home, the other team has a kind of duty not to play dead. But some might do, because they'll see it as their only option. And yeah, just for me, just the goals, yeah, they, they felt effortless in a way. Uh, just And <laughs> it's silly to say, this is a team you know, with players still to come back and that took time to get going in the match, and we won 5-0 and had one just disallowed by a millimetre that's quite scary for other teams to be, yeah to be honest yeah definitely um okay so city play spurs this weekend as i said the the first big game of the season is here already um 
Sam, before we look at this from a City point of view, talk to me about Spurs' business this summer and how you feel that changes them from last season. They signed Ndombele, Lo Celso and Ryan Sessegnon. I feel as though I've missed a player, but maybe I haven't. No, I don't think so. No Dubala, obviously. No, obviously no Dubala. Um, Sam? No, no, I don't. No, I don't think you have it. And Dombele was the early one, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, and then there was a bit of a late flurry. You remember on deadline day how excited I was at the prospect of Dybala going <laughs> to Spurs. Unfortunately, that didn't happen. I mean, I thought that might have that might have tipped the balance a bit in their favour in terms of title challenges. Um, that would have given them more options. I mean, obviously they have got more options. Look, you know, they're not going to have Son. They're not going to have Ali this weekend. They're still going to be strong enough. Lo Celso didn't play uh, last weekend. I think there's still some some question marks over his best position. You know, he can play, I think, attacking midfield on the left. He could also play defensive midfield. I think he did that at PSG, but wasn't... Um, it didn't go particularly well, but I don't think that's been an experiment that's been completely abandoned. So they've got a lot of extra variety there. Um, and Dombele, uh, I'm not sure he had a great debut, but obviously he scored, but... Um, City fans have obviously know enough about him. Um, played really well against City. He's kind of the midfielder that could give City problems at the weekend with his energy and you know how how tenacious he is. Um, and you've also got players like Foyt and Winks, who are you know another year older, another year more experienced. Um, obviously, Foyt's banned as well from that mad Bournemouth game, so he won't play against City. But he's another really good player. I like the look of another versatile player. I really like Winks. I can see Winks starting for England next summer at the Euros. Um, it's going to be it's going to be a tricky game for City. Whether they can win the league, what well, make them challenges? They do have extra options now. Like I say, Dybala probably would have tipped the scales a bit more. That probably would have helped them. You know, if if Kane gets injured, well, he, he always gets injured, doesn't he? Kane. If Kane gets injured for a month again, if you could put Dybala up there, it wouldn't be so much of a of an issue. Um, like any other team that wasn't City, you'd think, yeah, they got a chance. But like we saw how how good Liverpool had to be last year, and they still didn't get it. So I can't see Spurs being that competitive across the whole season. Um, while City are like this, it would need a big drop off from City. Possibly wow. Liverpool. I'm surprised. I, I I thought you'd have gone with yeah, okay. Spurs have, have bought no. well enough to push themselves they've, up into they've the bought well enough. But yeah, well, like I say, any other conversation they would have. But this is a ridiculous <laughs> conversation. You know, City's level is just incredible, and you know, it it doesn't just take it doesn't just take good players and good coaching. You know, there and there needs to be something special on even on top of that, and which is what City have got. And I think Pochettino is capable of it, and I think Spurs have got some players capable of it. But there's just there's still something. It's not, you know, they're, they're just not a special team as City. They're a really good team, but they're not as, yeah, they're not as special as City or Liverpool, to be fair. Okay. Um, Howard, Guardiola must have a lot of selection dilemmas, or maybe he doesn't after the uh, West Ham performance. So how do you view his selection dilemmas? What are his selection dilemmas for Saturday? Good dilemmas to have, but a lot of them. Uh Talk me through them. Predicting a pep side, great. <laughs> Impossible. <laughs> well, no, start with My, just the dilemmas that he has. Like, well, So which positions do you look at and go, okay, well, he's got a decision to make there? Well, my hunch is that he won't go left field or do too many changes in the first two games. 
because it's the opening game. Obviously, he picks a side, and Spurs is a big game. Uh, next up, he's Bournemouth away, Brighton at home. He may, I think, make more changes then. So the dilemmas are, well, he's got obviously he's got Cancelo in now. Uh, would he drop Walker for him? No, very unlikely. Yeah, because Walker was superb last week. Uh, obviously up front. Jesus to stay in or Aguero ready to come back in? Aguero, I think his record against Spurs must be phenomenal. But do you do you pick someone on historical <laughs> records or anyway? Or do you just pick him anyway because it's Sergio Aguero? Fernandinho, probably match fit now, but I really don't think he'll step in. And then, of course, you've got Bernardo against Mares or... Bernardo could play anywhere. You know, it could be central, he could be right. So surely Bernardo Silva has a claim to come back in because he's Bernardo Silva. So there's plenty of nice dilemmas for him to have. And I just wonder if he might just keep the side <coughs> the side, sorry, pretty much as it was. Yeah. After, you know, because of how dominant it played and because it's I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I my feeling is if it's Spurs, Bernardo Silva might come in for Mares. Uh, I think Mahrez was in, and he was brilliant, so it would be harsh, but that's the way it goes if you're a City player. I think I think he, he identified real problems for the full-backs for West Ham. And putting Mahrez out there, would, you know, having Sterling Mahrez just destroyed them. Against Spurs, would he, he probably would not say there's a weakness there. There may be, may be a weakness at right-back uh, a bit, if Aurier is still injured. I don't know, he's got a hand injury recently. So I just feel Bernardo might be more suited to unlocking you know, Spurs' defence. But I don't think he'll make that many changes, would be my thought. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if Jesus kept his place up front. Because yeah. they've all justified it, in a way, last week. I think so. I mean, I guess the one thing is that Jesus's goal was... was much, much, much needed. But I'm not sure how much of an actual goal threat he was, even if the rest of his play was was excellent as it always is. He was very busy. Um, look, I'm going to throw something out there. Maybe I'll throw it out to Sam first and then Howard, you can go for after Sam's laughed at me. Um, Sam, I have a hunch. Uh, I've had the same hunch for the last 48 hours and it won't go away that what Guardiola is going to do to not drop Mares and find a way to get Bernardo in there is that Sterling plays up front. Mares plays from Mares plays from the left and Bernardo plays from the right. And my thinking is this Sterling's goal scoring in preseason was excellent. He's obviously got the hat trick last weekend as well. Um, I think that just my gut is probably given Mares the West Ham game not expecting him to have quite the impact that he's had. And now that he's had that impact, he can't drop him because I think Guardiola is a guy who he's very fair in that yeah, sense yeah, that yeah. if you I go out and you do, if you do it on the pitch, you're not going to, uh, you're not going to get dropped in the next game. And I just, I was trying to figure out how he deals with that. And with, with where Aguero is up to with his preseason, where Jesus is up to maybe just maybe, those three guys are the front three. What do you think, Sam? Yeah, I was actually thinking about that um, earlier on. Uh, I've got, a, like this afternoon, Thursday, I'm going to go and do a like a Squawker video preview for it, which will be on their YouTube channel. And, I, and you know, there's going to be like an interactive tactics board. I was like, how am I going to get through all... 
communicate all these thoughts I've got about the lineup. But and I, I agree with you about Mares. I think if you play well, he he doesn't take you out. I. But at the same time, you've got Bernardo Silva in there. I don't think Bernardo Silva's going to play the David Silva role just yet. I know if it was no. FIFA, you'd just bang him in there. But, you know, David Silva, as Marty Perrineau explained so well on the podcast at the end of last season, he's the hub, isn't he, on that yeah. left-hand side. He ties everything together. So if you take that out, then you've got a much different approach for City and Bernardo is a different kind of player. So I don't think that's right. And, I, yeah, I, I was thinking actually about Sterling as the number nine Um it would allow Guardiola to put Bernardo back in and spring a bit of a surprise, but without it being too much of a surprise, it would give their centre-backs a new threat to think about altogether. And yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if that happened as well. The only other thing is, I think, I know Howard's not sure about this, I wouldn't be surprised if Fernandinho played instead of Rodri, because Rodri's been good, he's made a good start, and look, fine, you, if if he can get away with it against Liverpool, he can pretty much get away with it against anyone. But in a big game like this, so early on, and the way Spurs play, I don't think you want to risk him getting caught on the ball too often. Um, maybe Fernandinho's got a bit of fitness back now. Um, I, I don't think it'll be long before we see Fernandinho playing centre-back yeah, um, and going into midfield alongside him. But, yeah. I mean, that's I, I wouldn't be hugely surprised if that was this weekend, but I'd... I'd I, I'm tending more towards Fernandinho goes to the back of midfield and they just go a bit more tried and tested. Yeah, I think it's a bit too early to take stones out. Like, I just think that's, you know, he didn't do anything. Re- I think he lost the ball once in the, in the middle of the park against West Ham. But other than that, he was pretty solid. And I yeah. almost feel like that's the kind of thing that would just feel harsh. Even yeah, and also it's, a, it's a big confidence thing with stones. I've written about it totally. for The Athletic. Um that should be going out tomorrow, I guess, because it's not up today. It's a big confidence thing. And, you know, Guardiola knows that. Um, and, let, you know, he didn't make a huge mistake against West Ham. So he, he doesn't deserve to be dropped. And I think if Guardiola were to take him out, even, you know, in a, a team as fluid as this, I'm not sure what good that would do for Stones' confidence. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I can see him being kept in. I can see Fernandinho going back into the middle. Um, and that being about it, to be honest. Mm. I look back at the the game against Spurs in the Champions League at the Etihad last season. I completely forgot Mendy played left back, which is mad. But yeah, I'm, I'm sure everything else will be pretty much unchanged apart from yeah, I could see um, Sterling playing as number nine. Yeah, Howard, what about for you? Do you do you, do you like my Sterling at the nine shout, or do you think that that's harsh on Jesus because he did get a very very neat goal last weekend? Yeah, I don't can't see him doing it. It, it means not playing Jesus or Aguero. Yeah, to be fair, there's a confidence thing with Jesus as well, so maybe I've contradicted totally. myself there. Just not playing either of them. Just, no, I, don't, I can't see that happening. I'm not saying, yeah, the formation itself could work, uh, but I can't see. I think we go with a pure forward, you know, against Spurs. And, yeah, the confidence with Jesus, I still think, I don't know. <laughs> I don't it's a pep side, who knows. Uh, I'd be happy with either of them starting. But I can't see him not starting one of the two against Spurs. It it would seem more unfair than the alternatives, really. Okay. You know, it, it'd be easier just to to keep Bernardo Silva on the bench and say, yeah, don't worry, your time will come. We're just sticking with the side for a week or something. Mm. Okay, fair enough. Um, so then, Howard, give me a score prediction, please. Ooh. Well, what's made me more confident is obviously Sonny's suspended as well still. Isn't it? Was he sent off as well at the same game was it Bournemouth away he was sent off 
I don't with know. that Foyth, yeah. When they went down to nine men, didn't they? Conceded a late goal. Uh, Ali's still got a hamstring, I think. Sessignon's injured, but I don't think he'd have started them uh, yet anyway. So that's good, because Son obviously destroyed us last season. Uh, so I'm going to go... I think they've got a goal in them, because I think 3-1 to City. Okay. Sam, score prediction from you? Uh, mm, 2-0 City. Interesting. I'm going to say 2-2. I think... Oh. Uh, yeah, I do. I I think that Spurs will be. I I I think Spurs will feel confident after the results that they've had and performances that they've had against City last season. Um, I, I think they will be. I don't want to say overly confident, but I think they'll come feeling like they can score goals, plural. Um, and from City's point of view, I don't think we've quite clicked um, in our attacking play yet. And I think that for that reason, maybe. It ends two two because City, you know, get in get themselves even two 0 up, but then Spurs come back strong and get a get a couple of goals and get themselves a point. Can I point out, you know, the last two seasons where I got hundred points, ninety eight points. We dropped points in one of the first three games of both seasons. So yeah. let's, let's not be wailing, you know. <laughs> uh, let's not get too downbeat if they did, you know. And this is a tougher game than any of the games we dropped points in previously. So, you know, obviously it's only the second game of the season. And I think the West Ham game was important because it's taking the pressure off us. If we draw at West Ham, this suddenly becomes very pressured very quickly. Absolutely. If you're thinking that we need to get 90 plus points again to win the league, you just don't have any leeway whatsoever. So I think the West Ham result has helped. Uh, Separate thing as well about Mahrez, I was clicking through Sky last night and the best goals of the... 15-16 15-16 season, is that when he won the league? And some yeah. of the goals he scored that season are absolutely unbelievable. So, you know, if we get anywhere close to that player this season, we're scoring 100 goals plus. <laughs> well, I think I, I I think we begin to sort to see that in the West Ham game, just in the confidence he had in taking yeah. shots on, but also it felt like he was more intelligent in the chances that he was fashioning and the shots that he was having. It wasn't just every time he got it cut inside and try to welly it. Um, yeah, no, that is very, very, of very course, exciting. Course, yeah, but of course, Pep wants to score the perfect goal that's tapped in from three yards out. Dinky uh, dinky. Uh, yeah, and we don't, <laughs> we don't really score many from the edge of the area, but there were so many, uh, you know, the way he's just whipped it in with both feet from about 16 yards, 15 yards out, you know, from angles that it's just another... It's more uh, another option for the team if he is playing. Absolutely, absolutely. Right, gentlemen, um, what we're going to do to wrap this up is something that we're going to try and do this season uh, in a little more of a succinct fashion. We're going to pick one other game from the weekend, and what I'd like, uh, very briefly, is a score prediction for that game and also your thoughts on why you think the score falls where it falls. Um, Sam, we've chosen Chelsea at home to Leicester on Sunday. Have you seen anything of Chelsea either against United or last night against Liverpool? Yeah, yeah, I watched both games. I thought they were good. Well, you know, they were quite good against United with some very obvious frailties um less so against Liverpool last night I thought they were really good there was a spell yep. in the first half where they really they really pressed Liverpool and really made them give it away easily they were forcing a lot of turnovers in that Liverpool team um yeah I I, I quite I like I like what I see from Chelsea um there's you know there's obvious problems you know Pedro's kind of been playing it's, it's 
a free roll is probably to do him a disservice. But he's been all over the, the forward line. Um, the problem is, if that was Hazard, Chelsea probably would have, would have won both games. But it's not Hazard, it's Pedro. And he's doing a good enough job. But he hasn't quite got that shot from the edge of the box that's going to go in six times out of ten. He hasn't got quite the the weight of pass that Hazard's got. He hasn't got the dribble. That's going to be the difference this season. They just they haven't got the individual killers. But, you know, what if they've, yeah, they've been a bit weak at the back against United. Um, but you know, Kante was back last night against Liverpool. Um, I think they're improving. I like the look of Mason Mount. I think he's going to be really good. He's going to improve as the season goes on. Abraham, I mean, he's not had a great start. He doesn't look he doesn't look ready, but who's to say he won't be ready in three months or three weeks? You know, he's going to get plenty of game time because Chelsea don't really have very good strikers. Um, they're going to be interested in this season. Um, they, they have got some good players. They have got a decent system. They do want to play good football. Um, and it, it could be, for that reason, a good matchup against against Leicester because, you know, they're pretty much in the same boat, I would say. Mm. Do you think that Chelsea had it? Uh, it was difficult with the extra travel and the, you know, how how hard they had to work against Liverpool last night. Um, so you've always got to take that into account. I I would say they edge it. I've not seen I've not seen much of Leicester. Obviously, I know the game was nil nil. Um, Wolves were a difficult team to play against. Um, Chelsea won't be quite so difficult to play against. So I, I can see more goals. And yeah, if yeah, okay, I, I can see Chelsea edging it. Howard. Thoughts from you? Yeah, exactly what Sam said. Uh, the, the big unknown is, yeah, the, the Super Cup 120 minutes travel. Obviously, they've got a day extra. This is a Sunday game. Uh, but I still think it's going to affect them. Although, I, I say I didn't see the I didn't see the Super Cup game because I was doing another podcast. And sadly, my Sky, I did not record much of the day. <laughs> so I don't know what, what Leicester were like against Wolves. Uh, but, we, you know, we've discussed Leicester quite a way quite a lot in recent pods and we think they're you know they're contenders to break that top six my my honest thought is that Chelsea, yeah Chelsea I think that second half at Old Trafford is an anomaly and from you know from what I have seen I saw extra time in the last half hour I think of the match last night uh, I'm sorry on Wednesday night and I think they they've got enough now, I don't think it's the crisis that we thought it was after the game ended at Old Trafford. I think there's enough there that I think they sneak it as well. So, you know, like a 2-1 score would not surprise me to Chelsea. Yeah, I think they put Leicester to the sword. Um, I've been really blown away by what I've seen of Chelsea in, in, the, in the United game and in the game last night. I think the, the two things that really jump out are the bravery with which they play from the back, real composure, uh, a real almost dogmatic belief in in playing football in the right way, and then after that, just the the their shape, their passing, their movement. I mean, it's it's really, really, really impressive. And, and like Sam said, I've been really impressed with with Mason Mount. He looks uh, he looks a proper footballer. I mean, you can see where the holes are with Chelsea. I think you can see Sammy Abraham is very raw. Uh, you wonder whether he'll score enough goals. Uh, but at the same time, he could just need a couple of goals because he's obviously, he's got a good record in the lower leagues. He can finish. It's just a question of whether he'll get enough chances in the Premier League um, to get the goals. But yeah, no, I've been really impressed with them. It's funny because I sort of, I viewed 
United and, and, and Chelsea quite similarly coming into the season. And the two performances somehow have left me with a sense of, wow, maybe after Spurs and Liverpool, Chelsea don't look the best equipped squad wise or player wise, but they've re- just, they've really impressed me. And I'm, I'm, I'm not going to make any predictions, but I would, I am interested to see how they do over the, uh, over the first half of the season. Um, yeah. And in terms of a actual score prediction, I think I'm going to go with a three ones Chelsea. Cause that's their first, yeah, their first home game. Uh, Okay, right, gentlemen, 48 minutes in. I'm wrapping this up. This was the Friday show. Sam Lee, thank you very much. Oh, thank you, guys. Really good. Howard, thank you very much. Yeah, uh, pleasure, as always. To everybody who listened, this was the Friday show. We'll be back on the 9320 player after the weekend with a review of the Spurs game. In the meantime, as always, be safe, be well, and up the blues.